What is it about the Midwest outsiders do not understand? Everyone nods, gives the heartland hello. Surrounded by corn, rivers, and lakes, we are discovering the Midwest's disturbing side. This is Midwest Crime. I'm Nico. And I'm Jess. Thanks for joining us on this voyage. Supervision is necessary, as we always say, for Mm non-adults. So, as always, watch where you are as you're listening to this and make sure there's no little ears around. Yes. Um, You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and at Midwest Crime. Um, You can also check us out, you know, as you're listening here on your platform. We're on Spotify, iTunes, the whole shebang. So share it with your friends and, you know, subscribe. Yeah. So this episode is a story of a town that got away with the murder of a town bully. We are diving in to see if we can discover what would have made the community so willing to let a murder happen in broad daylight. Yeah, it's kind of a interesting story and i'm excited to get into it yeah done a lot of research for it so i hope everyone enjoys it as much as i've enjoyed researching it <laughs> um so ken rex mcelroy was born to tony and mabel mcelroy in 1934 he's the 15th out of 16 <gasps> children oh my Can you gosh imagine like <laughs> You, you you know you have a small basketball team oh as, yeah as uh, siblings you know um they were a poor tenant farming family so like sharecropping okay um oh, it, yeah. you know most people have heard of that if you haven't it's kind of like you're allowed to live and take care of this farm you have to give a portion of the profits oftentimes it is very unfairly uh, ra- rationed yeah um th- but you have to give the profits to the landowner okay so you know it's kind of hard to uh come up from being poor in those circumstances uh, when he was a child it, there it said that he was in a farm accident and he fell from a hay wagon and needed a steel plate put in his head Wow. So some people say that this um, is what kind of caused his terrible behaviors. And you guys will hear all about those cool. behaviors. Um, so the family moved between the Ozarks and Kansas uh, around Missouri until settling down in Skidmore, Missouri. Oh. And um, the town of Skidmore was situated approximately... 80 miles northwest of Kansas City and um, it consisted of around 440 residents, a number of small family-run businesses. The farming town revolved around work ethic, you know, and you think of that in uh, small towns that, you know, everybody kind of puts in their work and tries to do what they can to make the community, you know, yeah, thrive. Right. And uh, especially in a small town like oh, that. Oh yeah. You, yeah. It's like all hands on deck all the time. Yeah. You need exactly. everybody involved. But. Yeah, and uh, you know, mom and pop shops farming, mm-hmm. every all hands on deck, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um. So at 15 years old, uh, Ken McElroy dropped out of school in fifth grade. And you're like, wait, that doesn't add up. (laughs) Well, there's a reason he dropped out. Um, But, and he would end up being illiterate because of that, you know. So he's unable to read. And, you know, that's kind of, that would definitely hold you back from getting some decent work, for sure. Um, After he, after this, he kind of developed a reputation as a raccoon hunter a cattle rustler, small-time thief, and womanizer. So he definitely kind of had a wild man, frontiersman kind of personality or, uh, you know, reputation. Um, He was never one to have a great work ethic and rebelled against the town's culture. So he wasn't about, you know, everybody putting in their fair share. He wasn't about going to get a usual job. You know, he's... A raccoon hunter he you know would would do what he could to survive but wasn't about 
you know. He wasn't about to get his hands dirty. Right, yeah. He wasn't about going to do some factory work or anything like that. Um, So, he kind of developed a look that reminds me of Eddie from Rocky Horror. If anybody has watched Rocky Horror or knows of the culture, um, Eddie is the ex-delivery man. And he... um, He's kind of like a thicker dude, but he, uh, Miguel Roy weighed in at approximately 270 pounds and was six foot tall. He also had these bushy black sideburns, um, and kind of the slick back greaser look. Um, but that's Eddie from Rocky Horror remind, like if you Googled him, you know, the two look very similar. Um, but, and he was always armed is what people said. He all, he always had a gun on him and he, you know, I mean, he's a raccoon hunter. How, how else is he <laughs> yeah, going to you... take out those raccoons, <laughs> you know? Um, so over the next few decades, uh, two decades, he avoided convictions on 21 charges. Holy crap. Yeah. Those including theft of grain gasoline alcohol antiques and livestock a lot of thieving going on and uh he was represented by his defense attorney richard gene mcfadden of gallatin missouri Uh, he later says that he defended mcelroy in at least three or four felonies a year oh my gosh right that's like a felony a season yeah (laughs) You know, he had to have been a good defense attorney because clearly, you know, McElroy didn't spend much time in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of the other podcasts that I myself listen to, because I'm a junkie, um, they were talking about how his attorney is has stated that, you know, McElroy was one of his best clients. He always was on time and always paid. And he always paid in cash. So that's probably really why he was his best client. Probably, you know? yeah. He routinely came back and he always paid cash. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he knew he was going to get some income from right, this guy. For right, sure. right. Yep. Um, so he would intimidate those planning on testifying against him. He would follow or park outside their homes. Um, you know, it. In you hear about things like that and you you know think of kind of that mob style they're creeping behind to make sure that you don't tattletale on them yeah um in a quote this says our law enforcement never went after him very hard kirby gosley says he's a 60 or he was a 71 year old skidmore farmer he said the son of bitch would just as soon shoot them as anyone else about the law enforcement so that's kind of a crazy thing to think of you know here's this guy that not only did he pick on the community he didn't fear law enforcement at all interesting yeah he would shoot them the same as anybody else in the community so it's you know it's missouri it's not like it's wyoming right and you don't really think of Missouri being kind of that rough and tumble frontiersman like place but you know that's how Ken McElroy kind of was he definitely was uh, a rough rider yeah interesting (laughs) yeah and this is like maybe one of the behaviors from the oh yeah yeah for sure yeah he just kind of has a a terrible um, way of dealing with people Mm -hmm. he would shoot them instead of you know, just floor. working it out yeah. in conversation, right. maybe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, a little bit about McElroy. He had ten children with different women. Uh, his, I'm not gonna get into all of the wives and all of yeah. the children, um, but his last wife was Trina McLeod. They met in 1969, and she was 12 years old and in eighth grade. Yeah, if you guys could see Jess's eyes just, like, <laughs> took over her face. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, so in, in a lot of things that I've read and I've listened to, he, McElroy definitely went towards younger women. And there are numerous um, complaints of uh, statutory rape or 
you know, things along that line. He had a taste for younger gals. Okay. Um, he repeatedly raped her. Um, he also burned down her house and shot the family dog just so her parents would agree to the marriage between the two. And, you know, she's definitely underage and in different states in, you know, at different ages, you can get parents' consent. Okay. Um, yeah. So props to her parents for the fact of trying not to give consent. Yeah. Um, but with all that McElroy put them through, you know, they they did finally uh, give that consent. And it was kind of like, you know, what what else can they do? Right. Um, and so, like they were probably thinking too, like this guy could go as far as killing us. So we'd rather be alive here. Yeah. Try to help her later on than to keep saying no, for die, sure. and then never be able to help her again. Right. And then so, she's on her own. That's a hard, yeah. That, mm-hmm. That'd be really hard, but. Oh, for sure. It could be something. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, at 14, she became pregnant and dropped out of ninth grade. Uh, she went to live with Mel- McElroy and his third wife, Alice. Um, he did have an additional spouse named Sharon at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've kind of read and what I understand, he wasn't kind of a one-woman show. He was definitely a womanizer and, you know, w- was someone who would have multiple women at mm-hmm. once um, and would jump to marriage to take care of sticky situations. Yeah, and there's another one of those behaviors. He just Mm kind of, you know, it's hard to explain why he would do what he has. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, Alice and McElroy actually divorced in order for him to marry Trina. So all of them ended up living in the house together um, and they, they did so, so that McElroy would avoid prosecution for statutory rape with Trina. Because at, at that point, you know, she, before they're married, her, her parents could have still, you know, filed for, you know, this... prosecution against mm-hmm. him for that. And so this was a way for them to you know go around the law and make sure that you know he can get put away for it exactly for something small like that you know and for them yeah big for the rest of humanity (laughs) yeah um so alice was the only witness to the marriage between him and trina it's one of those interesting things too it's uh you know so you think of how willing is trina in this or was it just that He's, you know, 30 years her senior and three feet taller to mm-hmm. where, you know, she just kind of is going along with it. Yeah. Uh, after giving birth, both girls, uh, Alice and Trina, fled to Trina's mom and stepdad's house. Um, according to the court records, McElroy tracked them to the house and brought them back to his. So, you know, they, they attempted to... Uh, get away and get free and you know he he hunted them down and after what had happened previously you know i'm sure they were like okay well you found us we'll we'll go back don't don't do anything here yeah you know um he then again committed arson against trina's family and uh you know shot another family dog so he definitely has some bad behaviors you know arson is a terrible crime and there's a lot that is said in the like psychological community about arson and you know what what could possibly be wrong with you know the people's mental stability and whatnot and uh shooting a family dog just you know my cat is leaving the room right now because she just can't handle this (laughs) She's like violence against animals. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah. so, yeah, that's kind of the the pre-setup. Um, it kind of give you a little background into McElroy. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to take a break here and we'll kind of get into the pre-crime, pre-murder uh, details of yeah. Ken McElroy. Hey, guys. Welcome back. So... We just learned a little bit about Ken McElroy's past and 
who he is as a person. Um, so far, we're not liking him at all. Um, so now we're going to jump right into the pre-crime details. Yeah. So. So, and what we were just talking about was, you know, the whole situation with Trina. Trina, okay. Right? And so based on Trina's testimony, McElroy was indicted for arson, statutory rape, and assault. So that's, you know, that's kind of big, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's married to her, but she finally went to the cops and, you know, tried to get something done about him. Yeah. And June 1973, he was arrested, booked, arraigned, and released on $2,500 bond. So they cruise <sighs> that right through. And that is something that is just wild to me. Yeah. You know, they're, they get him in, get him arrested. He's in and out almost. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of a crazy thing to think about that, you know, here's this guy that's just ruining a community and, you know, the sheriff's department, it almost feels like they're not doing much to Right. Help, no. You know? Well, if he was in and out like that so right. fast. It... Yeah. You, he, you don't, he, he doesn't yeah. even get a, a bit of punishment, really. Right. Yeah. And released on $2,500 bail. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's nothing. Yeah. And for him, you know, it's said that he would walk around with wads of cash. I mean, he's a thief. So, you know, what he steals some money, it's not a big deal. Um, You know, so I'm sure it was easy for him to come up with that cash and or have it. And get, you know, released. Um, So Trina and her baby actually went into foster care in maryville missouri um and problems arose quickly um mcelroy would sit outside the foster home and tell the parents he would trade girl for girl meaning um you know their the foster parents daughter for trina like he was going to kidnap their child um as he knew where the foster's child went to school and what bus she rode um, you know, it, it, it's kind of a creepy thing to think about. He's yeah. sitting out stalking there. Stalking her as yeah. well. That could... Yep. Stalking Trina mm-hmm. and, you know, telling the parents, if I get your daughter with nobody around, I'm going to kidnap her so that you give me Trina back. Yeah. Um, additional charges were filed against him for, you know, the stalking and... The threats kind of, of kidnapping. Yeah, and misconduct and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but McElroy was never afraid of anyone, including those in law enforcement, like I said. Um, it is said that Sergeant Johnson, who he tangled with, even, um, even was hesitant to go up against him. Um, you know, so he definitely had a bad reputation. People were not thrilled or with him you know and kind of almost were afraid to kind of face up with him yeah um and one of the podcasts i listened to they said that uh johnson was actually trina's uncle as well sergeant johnson oh, man. it's you know small town stuff it's yeah, kind of wild yeah. it's uh you know everybody everybody's kind of related mm-hmm. <laughs> um so on july 17th 1976 uh, Skidmore, Missouri farmer Romaine Henry stated that McElroy shot him twice with a shotgun. Uh, the event happened when Henry challenged McElroy for shooting guns on Henry's property. So, you know, he comes at McElroy and is just like, hey, you're shooting guns on my property. I'd rather you not. Yeah. And, you know, so McElroy shoots him. And it's like... And that's just, you know, you can't deal with people like that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not like you can't just shoot somebody because they don't want you on their property. Right. You know, so it you see here that he really is a bully and he's causing a lot of problems for this community. Yeah, a lot of different families are being affected by him. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so for that incident, McElroy was charged with the intent to kill uh, he denied even being at the scene. Why, you know, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, uh, oh, I wasn't even there. 
it's like, well, you well, shot a guy. Yeah. You definitely were there. Did this guy survive? Do you know? Yes, Okay, he did. so Henry he, was he, able yeah. to identify yeah, him yeah. and be He's, like, this man shot me yep. twice. <laughs> yeah, he was just shot in the uh, leg. Okay. He was, he was injured, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't um, murdered. Yeah, okay. Thankfully. Yeah. Um, the case would drag out uh, without a court date in sight. And McElroy would develop his old tactics of sitting outside, you know, Henry's house and uh, threatening him. So, you know, even people who are trying to do something about this guy are, you know, there's so much pushback by him and by others that it's like, you know, they can't really get any traction, so to say. They just get injured and they're getting stalked and tormented, I'm sure, while they're in their comfort of their home, you right. know, and he's yeah. not leaving them alone. <laughs> right. It's scary. And you, think, you know, this is like the sixties ish, seventies ish era. People are at home watching TV now, uh-huh. you know, having family time. Nope. This guy's just sitting out front watching you while, while you're trying to live your life. Yeah. It's creepy. You wouldn't it, even want to leave your house. Like, right. You'd be, I, I mean, I would be too terrified to leave my house because I don't know what this guy would think as soon as I stepped out of the door. Oh, what, for what sure. he would try to do or anything. Yeah. yeah. What would he do? Would Would anyone notice? Yeah. Would anybody step in? Right. If he's coming at me? And especially since everyone's terrified of him. Right. Yeah. You would assume nobody would really want to get involved. Because oh, of, for sure. Why they, would they? Yeah, they don't want them sitting outside of his, their house or something. Right. Because it seems crazy as though... <laughs> Once somebody does something about it, he focuses on them. Yeah. So if you were to step in, you would just be the next victim mm-hmm. almost, mm-hmm. which is sad to say, but that's what it, that's what it is, yeah. kind of. Yeah, that's what's trending with him. Yeah, seems. exactly. Um, so there were two raccoon trappers who testified to McElroy being with them and away from the scene where Henry was shot. So he's got two people that he works with, you know, being raccoon hunters with him. And he gets them to testify that he wasn't around when Henry was shot. Which is kind of ridiculous because, you know, if he's that guy that carries a wad of cash like it's said that he does, Mm -hmm. he gives some people some money and just pays them off to get a testimony. Right. And that's, you know, and you hear about this in different cases and different things and it's just... It's ridiculous that he would be able to do that. Yeah. Along with McElroy's attorney forcing Henry to admit on the stand of his own petty criminal past, that was enough to have McElroy acquitted. So Henry has some, you know, little small petty crimes that weren't talked about, and McElroy's attorney comes up with that on the, you know, and comes at him on the stand where he's sworn in. He can't, you know, tell a lie. Right. He has to talk about it. And because of the cloud around, you know, Henry's past, which has nothing to do with him being shot. Yeah. You know, it gets McElroy off the hook. And it's crazy. And we, we talk about this over and over again. If something was to happen different, maybe this would have had a different outcome. Yep. You know, like, Mm -hmm. what if, because he shot this guy, he would have been sent to prison? You know, like, what would the outcome be then? You know, would other people's lives, you know, be in a better spot? Yeah. Um, So, another uh, crime McElroy committed against a community member was he shot 70-year-old Skidmore grocer Ernest Bow, is what they called him, Camp, unwittingly setting up his own murder a year later. So, the deal is... it's it's a little tricky, and we're going to get into it in a minute, but some stuff went down between uh, Bowen Camp and a McElroy, and McElroy shoots Bowen Camp about it. Okay. And this is what really leads to the community being like, okay, we've had enough of this guy. This is just too much, you know? And especially a grocer. In a small town... <laughs> Grocers are an integral part of 
you know, the community. And it makes me think of, you know, especially right now we're in COVID, you know, and a lot of people aren't traveling far for their groceries. You think of the small town folks, they, you know, they go to their local grocer because it's, it's there, it's in the community. You don't have to travel outside of your safe area. Sure, right. And a lot of these people, especially, you know, here in Skidmore, it's a, like I said, it's a small community. So people are probably very close knit. I'm sure lots of people, this guy's 70 years old. And think about all the people that he knows in this town. Yeah. And to hear that he's been shot. You know, it's people get fired up very, very quickly. Right. Um, but so we're going to take a, just a hot, quick break and uh, we'll get into the 1981 murder. Hey, crew. Welcome back. So uh, we just got done telling you a little bit about Ken McElroy and uh, he just shot an old Skidmore grocery grocer, Ernest Bow. Yeah. Or Bowen Camp, sorry, yeah. Bo Bowen Camp. They um, call him Bo. They call yeah. him Bo. <laughs> you know, he's in the, he's a one of the community older right. guys. Bo. That is his nickname. It's cute. Um, yeah. Right. So now we're gonna jump right into the crime. Yeah. So what led up to the crime was an incident between Bo and uh, McElroy's four-year-old daughter. So on July eighth, nineteen eighty, Bowen Bo. Accused McElroy's daughter of stealing. It said that she like took a piece of gum or, or like a package of uh-huh. gum. Uh-huh. And um, after an argument occurred between the clerk that was there, uh, her name Evelyn Summy, and the McElroy child, um, that's when you know things kind of escalated. Hmm. Um, the Kansas City Star reported that. Lois Bowen Camp's wife called the theft a misunderstanding and tried to make peace with the McElroy family about it. So, yeah. you know, and especially if it's a young kid like a four year old, they have to be taught that stealing is wrong, but it doesn't have to be a whole big thing, you right. know? No. And so I think that's where Lois was coming from. Like, it's just a misunderstanding. She took it, didn't mean to. Yeah. Like, let's get this worked out. Um, you know, but McElroy's a hothead, so that's not okay that even if she was stealing, it's not okay that you accuse my daughter, you know? So McElroy came in the back of the store cussing out the clerk and, uh, you know, kind of going in on her and Trina herself said, why would my effing daughter lie? And so, you know, they're pretty, uh bothered about what was said about their daughter Mm -hmm. and uh mcelroy was aggressive and hot-headed and just would not let the incident slide and unleashing a time of terror upon the grocery grocery store owner and his wife you know they're just some old folk that are trying to live their life and be Mm -hmm. grocers and mcelroy even offered lois cash to fight his much younger stronger wife trina um, and then, yeah. Oh, what? Right, yeah. So, and it's like, you know, just kind of causing trouble to cause trouble. Yeah. Why would Lois, who, if her husband's 70, I'm sure she's, you know, within his age range. Yeah, within five years, of, like, yeah, plus or minus right, 70, right. yeah. Obviously, there's those, you know, randoms. But right. it, for the most part, you would expect her to be of his age. Yes. So, and Trina's, what, maybe 20? Like, yeah. my goodness. And uh, after, you know, Lois was obviously not going to do that, um, then McElroy turned to his normal stalking tactics. And, you know, he would park outside their house and just sit there. Um, Lois Bowen Camp uh, stated that, oh, he was intimidating. You can't know how awful it was. My neighbor and I took turns sleeping at night. Oh, my gosh. And isn't that just terrible for, you know, you think that the Bowen Camps probably gave most of their life to this community. Yeah. You know, being grocers, it's a big part in... They're, you know, just trying to give a service to this community and now they're, they're being stalked and, 
you know, they can't even have a peaceful sleep at night. Right. Luckily, you know, her neighbor was there to kind of... Help. <laughs> yeah, be there with her and watch out. But, yeah. you know, having somebody parked outside your house at all hours of the night, it's not comforting by any means, yeah. you know? I guess the... Like, you haven't read anything about him just charging in in the no. middle of the night. Yeah. Which, like, kind of surprises me because mm-hmm. of how he has acted before. But yeah, I guess in a way that's a good thing. He just knew that intimidating these people by sitting outdoor outside... Was enough. Yeah. yeah. Instant fear. Got freaked and, out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He scared him, and that's what he wanted, I, I guess, maybe. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a good point that he, you know, in all of this, he doesn't just kind of waltz in. He yeah. doesn't go up to their door. He just parks outside. Mm-hmm. That That's really intriguing to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I'm stuck in thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, McElroy threatened Bowen Camp with a shotgun dozens of times uh, until he eventually took things too far. Um, McElroy shot him in the neck, and while Bowen Camp was waiting on the loading dock for the AC repairman. So, you know, you're thinking, this guy's just sitting out on the loading dock, and like, you know, we grew up in a hardware store mm-hmm. in a small town community, and I remember, you know, we'd ride our bikes on the loading dock, we'd yeah. be chilling out there, you know, and people who knew us would ride by we'd just give them a wave you know yeah. so it's kind of crazy to think a, a loading dock especially in a, a small town um business is kind of like a hangout you know yeah, almost okay. mm-hmm. i remember the people that um <laughs> that worked at the grocery store we lived behind we i'd always wave to the grocery store workers <laughs> yeah. when they took their 15 minute break out there yeah you know? true yeah and, you're right uh, so it's kind of sad to hear that, you know, that a place of kind of relaxation almost yeah. for the working person, mm-hmm. it, it's now the scene of a crime where, you know, McElroy shoots him in the neck. And uh, with a shot in the neck, you're, I know you guys are all like, oh man, what happened? But luckily Bowen Camp survived. Wow. Um, yeah, cause that can be a real fatal, a fatal shot. Yeah. You know, it's, there's a lot of, uh, vital, vital <laughs> organs. organs and important things in your neck, yes. you know? And, uh, so McElroy was arrested and charged with attempted murder for this, good. which yeah, is good. Um, he, so Missouri State Highway Patrol Trooper Richard Stratton was the only lawman in Northwest Missouri ever known to stand up to McElroy. Um, And he was the man who hunted down and arrested McElroy for the attempted murder. Wow. So, and I wanted to just make a point of that because, you know, props to him. And you hear that other officers and community members just were terrified of this guy. So mm-hmm. it's nice to hear that, you know, there was a highway patrol officer that wasn't, uh, you know, he took his job seriously. Yes. He, he knew people were in danger because of this man. And right. he took action to... To do something yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. to help and the community. To, right, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so he was the man that hunted him down, like I said, and arrested him. So... Props to (laughs) Trooper Richard Stratton. Um, McElroy was convicted but released on bail pending his appeal. So that's the other thing. And we heard it earlier that he keeps getting released. Uh Um, And, you know, a person who's as violent as this, you would think that there would be a way... To stop his, you know, appeal or stop his release on bail. Yeah. Um, and I understand he's waiting for his appeal, but like, the dude is dangerous, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. lock his booty up. Yeah, there has to be a way to get around get it. Get around it. To yeah. Where you can keep him in there so he doesn't harm anybody else. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. And immediately upon his release, he went to the DNG Tavern, which was a local bar. Um, he had an M1 Grand Rifle with a bayonet 
attached. Why he has a bayonet, like, it, this is not World War Two, like, or World War One. Like, you don't need a bayonet, you live in Missouri. Yeah. Um, and he made graphic threats about what he would do if he saw Bobo in camp. Um, you know, so right after getting out, he's not doing anything to, you know, make his situation any better. He, he wants to get back at this guy, even though he already has. Finish the job. Right. Yeah. 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 He, he says he wants to take care of this guy. Mm -hmm. It's like the guy's barely recovering. Right. You know, um, so all of this led to townspeople looking into what they could do legally against McElroy to protect the community Good. against future incidents and harm to anyone else. Yeah. And so the key is they're looking at it, you know, at the legal aspect. They're like, what, what are we going to do and what can we do to keep him off our backs? You yes. know, we're yeah. tired of this bully. He's just coming around here picking on people, picking fights with people, shooting people, uh-huh. and, you know, you just don't go around shooting people. No. Nope. You mm-hmm. barely go around punching people, but <laughs> let alone, you know, taking a weapon to them. Right. And uh, so many of them were wondering why this man is not being kept in jail, just the same as us. We yeah. can't wrap our heads around how he just keeps getting released from jail. And um, the Nottaway County Sheriff Dan Estes suggested that they form a neighborhood watch. Now, neighborhood watch, that could be a good idea, right? You, you know, at least you have people on the lookout. Right. The, and now this is just my opinion. The downside of a neighborhood watch this man has already committed violent crimes, mm-hmm. right? He shot yes. people. It's not just like we're watching for burglary and theft. Like, this is a violent offender, you know? So, I think a neighborhood watch, okay, yeah. that's At least it'll help the community feel together and, you know, what's going on. They might feel better, too. They might, like, the per- like before you were saying, yeah. someone wasn't getting any sleep at night. Because she was worried of right. him sitting outside. Lois, Lois yeah, that's yeah, who it was. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. She was worried about him sitting outside right. her house. And now with the neighborhood watch, she might feel a little bit A little bit more secure. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's interesting, um, you know, in what I don't think we've mentioned earlier is this town doesn't have its own police force. They rely on the county sheriffs because oh. they're such a small town. You okay. know, some small towns just don't have police forces. Right. They don't have the resources, you know, and with a town of less than 500 people, it, there shouldn't be that much going on. You <laughs> You're know? right. You would hope not. Yeah. You would hope that everybody would get along. But <laughs> right. Unfortunately, or it at does least, not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so the sheriffs, you know, they'd have to come into town to take care of whatever was going on with him. After uh, the talk about, um, you know, he really didn't want the group to be, uh, he was, the sheriff was super adamant that they don't need to mess with him. And after he suggested the neighborhood watch, he jumped in his police cruiser and left town. If I was that sheriff, I'd be hanging. I would be hanging out just because the threats that McElroy made, his past. I know you don't want to stay there all day, but right. just, you know. But this if, town is obviously suffering from this guy, so right. maybe putting a little bit more effort into protecting them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Be there for them in the like minutes that they need you. Exactly. You know? And even... If they called for the police, you know, if if the sheriffs are out patrolling, they could be, you know, 30 minutes to an hour away, depending on what part of the county they're in. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, McElroy finished up his drinks at the D&G Tavern and purchased a six-pack to go. (laughs) Right? Yeah, that's not something you hear of much Mm -hmm. anymore. Maybe this is why. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, but he purchased a six pack to go, um, in a podcast I listened to recently, they also said that he had, uh, purchased some Rolaids, 
you know, the, the tummy medicine. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's probably stressed out about, you know, this whole town <laughs> hating him. Um, and he got up and left the tavern. He jumped in his Chevy Silverado to leave with his wife, Trina, sitting right beside him. He would never reverse from that parking spot. 46 possible witnesses and no one would be able to confirm the suspects he was shot at several times and hit twice uh, once by a centerfire rifle and once by a 22 uh, millimeter rifle and i uh, believe the back of the head he was wow. shot yeah and so it's kind of uh interesting to think about um you know, I wasn't expecting that. No, no. And it's, you know, almost 50 different people are there as possible witnesses, but no one is able to or wants to yeah, right. you know, okay. pinpoint who the suspect should be. Yeah. Um, no one called for an ambulance for quite some time. I believe Trina is the one who eventually did call the ambulance and uh, the police eventually arrived. And once they did, they discovered shell casings from both a 22 caliber Magnum and an eight millimeter uh, Mauser. Um, so, you know, the, they find the shell casings. There's clearly, you know, there was a shooting and a crime, but there's there's no one who's speaking up. That neighborhood watch is sticking together. Yeah. Uh, and Trina was the only witness who was able to identify the shooter, able and willing. Okay. And um, but there was no one to collaborate with it with her so the da and federal investigations would lead to no charges wow yeah. isn't that wild yeah and you think this is the 60s 70s they don't have access to you know evidence and tools that we do now it's kind of like it's almost like a karma you know they're all he of it got away with so much crime already and now the community got together and they got away with this one crime which it, was yeah. probably the, a victory to yeah. them yeah um so uh and i'll touch on this a little bit more later there's a documentary that they talk about you know the town and whatnot okay. and i from what i understand the town's never the same you know you go from a small town that everybody is kind of there to work together it's you know close-knit community but after this it just kind of it it robs the town of that and they're not um that secret you know is held over them they yeah. can't really um fully move on yeah yeah it's it is it is unfortunate um so McElroy was buried in Memorial Park Cemetery in St. Joseph, Missouri, and his wife Trina filed a wrongful death lawsuit of $5 million against many of the townspeople. Wow. Yes. And uh, this included the actual town of Skidmore, the county of Nottoway, Sheriff Danny Estes, who is the one who suggested the neighborhood watch? Okay. Um, Steve Peters, who was the mayor of Skidmore, and Del Clement. And Del Clement is who Trina accused of being the shooter, okay. but he was never charged. Because, like we said, there's no one to collaborate her story. Okay. Evidence is limited. Mm -hmm. um, th her case for the wrongful death lawsuit, uh, it was able to be settled out of court for the sum of $17,600. So, you know, no one admitted guilt, and for the stated reason of avoiding costly legal fees, um, should the suit pursue or proceed. Okay. So, you know, if they would have carried it on, it would have just cost so much money that they just settled with her. I'm sure she 
took that. And yeah. Just, I know. mean, it wasn't the $5 million she was right. asking for, but she was probably like, 17000 Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'll take that. That all right. sounds all right. Yeah. yeah. $5 million was probably reaching. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. You know? yeah. I do wonder, too, because all the stuff that McElroy did to Trina, like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting the sense that she kind of liked him, though, in a way, still. So I'm getting weird, I don't know if you are getting weird vibes from it, but I'm... Yeah, so okay. it kind of reminds me of, um, what do they call it? You're kind of, uh, there's someone shouting at us right now. When, you know, someone's kidnapped and they are being held and oh. they kind of, you know, just uh, a, get attached to their yes. captor. Yes, what um, is that called? I don't know. Um, but it kind of gives me that vibe of where, yeah. like, you know, he did terrible and a lot and a lot of things to her. And, you know, so. Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm That's Syndrome. That's what it is. There we go. Yes. yes. Okay. So I'm wondering if she kind of has that, you know. And okay. At this point, they have a kid together. Right. So, you know. And you see this a lot in domestic violence where they have true. a kid together. Yeah, so yes. whether or not he's putting her through the ringer, at the end of the day, that's the father of her child. So she's, yeah. you know, going to back with him. him. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't know. I would have thought that maybe once he got shot, she would feel like a sense of relief. Like, yeah. finally, like, I can be me and, like, you know, go on with my life without him Haunting. Yeah, 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 being abused if he was abusive to her or anything, like right. she would be a gaunt like it'd be free from her, but mm-hmm. but sometimes but she... there's that hesitation. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's that's a, a good point you bring there. Yeah. For sure. Um so Trina remarried and moved to Lebanon, Missouri, and died on her fifty fifth birthday of cancer. Oh. Um she would reject having interviews done. Once she left Skidmore. Okay. So she, she was awarded that money and she kind of, she was done with Skidmore. Um, in the documentary that um, I watched, they talk about a lot of McElroy's kids. They have nasty things to say about Skidmore. And, you know, she kind of touches on that too. That like, you know, a whole town watched my husband get murdered and didn't have anything to say. So... It is kind of one of those hmm. torn things of, you know, he put her through terrible things. She kind of still has loyalty to him. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, she goes off and, and tries to live a life and get away from. I guess, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so four decades later, here we are. This is still one of the most infamous cold cases in the United States. Um, with 40 to even 90 witnesses, it is a conspiracy tale of silence. Um, you know, not people, people, I think that eventually people will come out and we will, you know, learn somewhat of the truth. But at the same time, it's been so long people are going to die off and I don't know if they'll share that knowledge with their kids or right. their grandkids. You tell know, them the story of what actually happened. Right, but, yeah. Or um, they'll just let it be and be like, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know who killed this. Right. Elroy. Oh, gosh. And, you know, they uh, there's pictures of, like, his truck and it just, you know, it's kind of sad because you see him, you see the blood splatter you see Mm. the shattered glass and you're like this is a terrible event and it happened in the middle of the afternoon you know like he was at the tavern but you know day drinking yeah yeah just got out of prison you know just almost living life (laughs) um but you know so um i kept mentioning that documentary yeah and Mm -hmm. uh so if anyone wanted to go a little deeper in the case or you know wanted to check it out any further i'd encourage everyone to check out it's a six-part sundance tv docuseries it's called no one saw a thing i think i found it on netflix oh cool um but it's very insightful and informative um it's 
it's definitely intriguing and they have a lot of different uh townspeople talk so you kind of hear the story from third parties um and it you know it discusses both the preface and the crime and it really goes into the aftermath and how it you know kind of made the town kind of you know a different atmosphere than what it was originally yeah interesting very cool yeah it's one of those endless questions of justice if it's actually served or you know or not um the people of skidmore they reacted out of fear more than impartialness so is it really justice if you know it wasn't brought to a court of law or you know it's Mm kind of one of those things where he did so much injustice of his own by no means was it right that the town did that yeah but when you're pushed in a corner you know the sheriffs are only able to do so much the justice system is almost not able to do very much yeah you know what's What's the the only other choices here yeah yeah exactly it's sad but it is it's a very very intriguing story and it's amazing that with the amount of people that were there to see it that Mm -hmm. there still is you know no peep out of anybody (laughs) exactly yeah. yeah Um, so, um, you know, that's kind of the end of this case. Um, if you want to help out the show, you can find us on Anchor. Um, our, our website is posted in our link on Instagram. Um, and you can always become a supporter and help us. Um, we've, you know, mentioned and thanked our supporters in the past. It's, um, very cool to have, you know, such a crew. Yes, and, uh, you guys are awesome. <laughs> there's, uh, you know, we always try to keep up with everybody on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and you can always email us. We love, love, love to hear yes. it, what you guys are enjoying. Um, and, you know, you can find us on Instagram and uh, Facebook, like I said, um, at Midwest Crime. Yep. But that's it. So thanks, thanks for, for joining, joining us, crew. crew.